All right, partner. You know what time it is. Yeah! What? I can do it in biceps. In biceps. Biceps to breakfast. Welcome back to Five Steps. Welcome back. Fred. This is episode three. The wheels Episode are three, baby. The moving parts, they are moving. The wheels, they are turning. Wheel in the sky, keep on turning, baby. It What's absolutely that? Isn't that, uh, isn't that journey? Yeah, I believe it was. You know you know what um, revelation I made about journey recently? Or about, about um, Don't Stop Believing in particular? Huh. Is that... Well, it's not really a revelation. My own thoughts on it, it's like it's, it feels like doomsday to me. It feels like a, like an apocalyptic, dystopian Interesting. song in a way. It's because I feel like it's been so overdone that like even when like it is the apocalypse and like you know all hope is lost, someone's still gonna be blasting "Don't Stop Believing" by Journey, like with one last shred of hope, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if that makes an apocalypse. So you're not saying the content is apocalyptic. No, you're saying the social, the way, the way the it's social. Played. Yeah, that'd be a tough sell. Yeah, the, just the way that people play it, like, I feel like even when, like, it's where, you know, on, on, on Doomsday, like, someone's still going to be, like, playing Don't Stop Believing. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, it so, is episode three. Anyway. The wheel in the sky, it keeps on turning. Uh, we have mm-hmm. we have a very, very fancy new logo now, um, which I'm very jazzed about. Oh, yes. And I want yes, to, we do. Uh, to extend the shout out to Mr. Shane Huss for designing. Thank you, letters. Shane. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, uh, Shane. Those calligraphy letters that you see on that on that beautiful map are uh, courtesy of Shane Huss. And uh, if you want to see some more cool calligraphy and other art projects, that's Shane Huss on Instagram. Or Mindful Release is Shane's clothing brand. So thank you so much, Shane. Uh, you you know so many creative people. It seems like yeah, and it's wonderful. It seems like for all these things, you just the creativity comes together and like we're we're all creating creating and collabing creating content for the void baby that's what absolutely. we do absolutely it's very exciting it's a very exciting thing and i'm also very excited about our content on this third episode here aaron uh, do you have any guesses as to kind of what realm what realm we're starting from we've been kind of kind of all over the place and kind of continuing that uh that streak now I think music, you know, even though I know this doesn't have to be music. Yes, music, um, music but, is correct. Uh, yeah, we'll see, I guess. Music. Good, good, I, I got it, yay. Music is a very safe guess and uh, yet a very strong guess. Music is the realm from which we are starting. And in particular, we are talking about a, a certain track that I have been trying to learn on the piano. This was one of my, you know, being being partially or mostly unemployed these days, I try and set, uh, you know certain goals for myself to get done because I don't have professional <laughs> goals at this moment. So one of these goals yeah. is to learn Linus and Lucy by Vince Guaraldi nice. on the piano. Nice. And um nice. my 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 learning of the song on the piano is going okay, but I, I decided maybe this would be an opportunity to learn uh not only the 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 playing of the song but some history behind the song. So that is where we are going to start today. Okay. I just want to first say that is a very good album. I yes, it is. I used to I used to, I used to talk smack, and then I really listened to it and listened to more Vince Coraldi, and I was like, oh, this guy's actually, this guy isn't just like the Charlie Brown guy. No, but, uh, go on. No, he's, yeah, he's not yeah. just the Charlie Brown guy. Um, in <laughs> fact, this the song was originally written not for 
a Charlie Brown Christmas, which is a common misconception. Really? Because that, yeah, that is very interesting. of course, um, where it became so famous and that montage of uh, the dancing peanuts and that, uh, that, mm-hmm. that beautiful mm-hmm. Christmas scene. Um, it was originally written for a documentary, actually, um, about the peanuts. So it was still like a peanuts. It was written for the sake of uh, Peanuts by Charles Schultz. Uh, but it was meant to be for a documentary and he released, or I mean, sorry, he, he wrote all these songs for the documentary, uh, which was never released. It did not gain the support and sponsorship that the, uh, director or producer, um, needed. So he, he got Vince to write all these songs, but they weren't ever released in the documentary. So it just became kind of, um, an album for Vince that didn't end up being used in the movie, but, uh, he released it in an album called Jazz Impressions of a Boy Named Charlie Brown. So wow. So it's like it's, it's like a it's like a companion album to the to the um, Christmas Charlie Brown Christmas then in a way? Well it was it was released before Charlie Brown Brown Christmas and then like of course because the song was so tailored to the uh, Charlie Brown characters, it was actually meant to be like the album had different songs for the introductions of each character in the documentary. And so this song, of course, was written for the Linus and Lucy introduction. So um, can I hear? Can I hear? Can I hear? Can I hear Pigpen? Pigpen? Do they have other other? <laughs> you can hear Pigpen. Um, I didn't listen to Pigpen, but I imagine that would be a pretty good one too. But yeah, they yeah, all it was cool. like the walkout songs in this in this documentary. Um, but of course, whoever was producing a Charlie Brown Christmas heard it and uh, you know, thought that it would be just perfect, which of course it was. It uh, was a year later. The rest, the rest is. The rest is history. Our work here is done. Yeah, and that's all she wrote. But it's it's such that's a great song. Wrote. It's like the it's of course played on uh, on on the radio waves every November and December, and mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a a holiday classic. Which is also you know I was in the holiday mood as I was preparing this um, here in this this Minnesota winter. Yeah, it just felt right. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the Christmas songs that I actually I. I think since I, a few years ago, I started listening, getting back into more jazz, and I, I really do, uh, I really do enjoy that song. In part because I think it's jazzier; it has kind of similar, similar to other music I like. A lot of the other, the later Christmas stuff, it just gets to, to whatever it is, you know. I'm just gonna leave it at that. But yeah, you know, there's not a lot of Christmas I'm really into. So, uh, where, 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 who are we? Who, what's what is our connection here? What is our I don't want to rush you, but no, I, you know, I'm glad you asked, Aaron. Um, so I actually, with this song, I've identified not only a Fred Durst connection, but uh, first a connection to, to, to myself. This is a Minnesota connection. I love having a little Minnesota okay. connection in our episodes, too, of course. Um, and this connection, which I, I uh, happened across a while ago. Um, I uh, am a big fan of this this one Charlie Brown strip. Um, and so I got the tattoo of Charlie Brown's character in this strip on my arm nice. um, from a friend of mine who lives in St. Paul. And yeah. so he has his, like his own, like, you know, his like homemade tattoo studio deal in his house. And so I was like, thank you. Got this nice uh, Charlie Brown tat from my friend, Noah shout out, Noah. Um, more creatives, baby. More yeah. creatives. Yeah. There's more Build a network. That's right. And so later on, like I didn't, I didn't know this at the time, but later on, I found out that Noah's house in St. Paul was like two houses down from Charles Schultz's old house, which is registered like a a historic uh, landmark in Minnesota because of its significance 
in Charles Schultz's life as he wrote Peanuts. So that was a pretty wild connection, of, uh, a personal connection that I, I realized. Oh, that's time. crazy. Yeah, yeah, you got the you got the mark of the beast from the source. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The mark of the beast. Charles Schultz, rest in peace. Uh, a Minnesota yeah. legend, of course. Okay, mm -hmm. connection number two. Here's connection number two. This is actually a connection back to our previous episode, uh, which, started, oh, which started with um, Victor Wooten playing oh i remember that yeah yeah that's where we started last time and this yeah song, they're right they put out that they put out that christmas album that's absolutely right bail off like in the tones <laughs> covered linus and Lisa yeah on their christmas album and then here's here's where here's where the aaron oh have you heard the aaron yeah okay so in. not, not we're, 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 i was gonna say we're deep in the jam world right now man oh, yeah. i love it i love we're, it we're getting closer it. it's getting hotter it's getting hotter our, our our next connection which is our next step in our journey to fred durst was that this song, Linus and Lucy, was covered in 2002 by Mo on their Christmas album. Uh, that 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 makes sense. That, yeah. I'll just say that. that yeah. if, if you're going to cover a Christmas song and you're kind of a, a progressive rock band, it, this kind of makes sense. Um, but so, okay, so we got, we got, uh, we got, we got, uh, we got Geraldi to, to Bela to Mo. Got it. Right, and then I'll, I want to shout. I want to shout out here. Um, there's an up and coming jam band that I've talked a little bit about with you, may, maybe um, called Goose. Yeah, and every year Goose plays a Christmas show, and the last couple, I believe, they have worked in Linus and Lucy. So it's it's wow. kind of a maybe like a jam band tradition to work in a little Linus and Lucy, you know, a little little Garaldi tease or full full embrace. Of the, of the Geraldiness <laughs> of uh of, of that particular song. So shout out Goose, shout out Mo, shout out Bela, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think last time we, we mentioned not having enough jam references, so I, I, I made sure to uh we had to dive, work dive had to work some in, yeah. Dive into the jamminess this uh this episode. So yeah, this is our second step, uh diving into the jam world for Aaron's sake and for uh Uncle Jeff's sake. I actually asked J Uncle Jeff for some uh, input on this one because he is a big Mo fan and a big Jam. Oh, it makes fan. sense. So yeah, shout out the era, man. Well. Shout out the '90s jam bands and new metal, strange Absolutely. companions. Yeah, but they they were they, is, were, is they it, were by each other's side that whole time. I think. Yeah, is there? I mean, it seems like very like if you, like if you're like they're like different like sections of the high school lunch table. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have like you have like you have like the hippies. You know. Then you have like the jocks or whatever, maybe who listen to like I don't know Guns and Roses or something or whatever. And then you had like mm. the 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 punks. I don't even know if punk is the right word. Like the the the, the new metal, the angst kids. You know, yeah, that's like another thing. It's like they all, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know that there's. A, I mean, maybe you'll correct me on this, but I, I, I the, the the jam world is very all encompassing, or not all encompassing, but very very, um, I guess diverse sonically and not as much in other ways um but it uh there's a lot of sounds you know there's even a little bit of metal but i don't think there's i don't know that there's a new metal um i don't know that there's a new metal jam direct crossover unless i'm missing something uh yeah i don't know about a direct crossover you know what the crossover i think maybe would be in like the uh the appreciation of like the live show like the not yeah like not, not, not the jam oh, bands have a, a mosh pit per se but that they like the dancing in the in the middle of the crowd is like a very 
essential part of yeah, the, the live I, performance as I think it also is. And I guess show. so maybe the, the performance there, part of yeah. it, uh, the crossover there. And I think, uh, I mean, I guess Woodstock 94 was a little jammier than Woodstock 99 was obviously more new metal-y. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the one last connection there that I would make is probably Primus because Primus is the one band that I always joke about, you know, bands that have their foot in the door in multiple scenes. And they're maybe the only, like, maybe they're maybe the only jam act that, like, would be on, like, hard rock radio in the 90s. Yeah, you know they have a that lot would, of feet, that had that a lot of feet and a lot of doors. I'm actually looking a lot at. Of feet, uh, yeah. I have Missy's Primus uh, pork soda shirt right here on my desk. It's beautiful. Cool, cool, very cool. Shout out to Primus. So okay, so we're we're let's let's get back on track now. Yeah, that's all right. These are like all these connections being made are totally uh you know part of part of what we're going for here. But our yeah. step on the journey here, we're still at step number two, early early in our adventure and this is Mo's so, rendition of Linus and Lucy and this appeared on their Christmas album Seasons Greetings from Mo okay. in 2002 um, it was said that, that Rob is an, a Christmas-aholic mm-hmm. uh, Chuck Garvey okay. said that Rob is a Christmas-aholic he can't get enough of this holiday and it, it, was only, it was only appropriate that they would make a Christmas album as a band with a frontman who is so obsessed with Christmas yeah, I, that's something I gotta say. I had no idea that they were a Christmas anything. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge. I'm not I'm not a huge moron. Um, but <laughs> respect for every band. Respect for every band in the in the scene. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Mo is. Uh, yeah, they are Christmasaholics, and I think they're coveraholics as well. Um, this this they they are. Yeah. This album of covers was definitely to be expected from a band that does so many covers in their live shows. Mo actually was, I think the first real, if, if we're going to say real concerts, Mo was the first real concert I attended as a kid at the, at the Minnesota zoo as a child. Really? Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Great. Yeah. They were awesome. Um, and I heard it, I heard a cover. I heard Godzilla, which I recognize yeah, from I think guitar called. hero two. I can't remember if it yeah. was guitar hero. Maybe it's guitar hero three. From some guitar hero, and I, I, I was very excited to recognize them playing Godzilla. That's actually that's actually a good. That's actually I really like them most when they kind of rock out. Um, yeah. And that is they definitely that's a Blue Oyster Cult is a good it's a good straightforward rock song, you know. Yeah, um, anyway, so I have Seasons Greeting pulled up here. Um, this is an interesting mix of uh, interesting mix of songs. Yeah, I didn't listen to the whole thing um, as it is, you know, kind of past the, the Christmas music time of the year. But I listened to the Linus and Lucy for sure, and I thought it was good. I liked it. I yeah, liked, okay, I liked cool. I like the mo- moified version of Linus and Lucy. Yeah. So in their in their uh, arsenal of covers, there's there's a lot of ground um, that they cover there, if you will. And um, I think that's kind of part of the, the live performance that people uh, seek out and like get excited for at their shows. Uh I asked my uncle, who's seen them many times, about this, and he said Godzilla's number hit, one of his number ones. Um, they also play "Low" by Cracker a lot, I guess. Um, and okay. And he said Karma Police. They do some Radiohead covers, which is neato. That's that's neat. I mean, it kind of again, they're kind of a progressive rock band, even if they draw from yeah. different things. So that kind of makes kind of makes sense. Yeah, and I dug I dug through actually a list of all the covers they've done that's been documented by uh, by the Morons, I guess. And yeah, a very yeah. a very notable one that I saw was a cover of a parody, which was of course Yoda 
by Weird Al Yankovic that they played in Philadelphia is... at the Fillmore at a Star Wars-themed Halloween show in 2015. No way. Yeah, no way. It was no great. Way. I watched the video. Bro, what, bro we, got, excellent. we gotta go. We gotta yeah. go, man. It was awesome. This is making me, man. Man, Summer Camp 2022, baby. We're going. Halloween 2020, 2020-something. 2030-something, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> One Halloween. Oh. They'll do it again. Yeah. So this is our third step. This is our third step is Yoda by Weird Al because that was covered by Mo at this uh, Star Wars themed concert, which sounded like an absolute blast. There are videos of it. So you can see Yoda and a number of other uh, Star Wars tunes played by Mo um, from the Fillmore in Philadelphia. It looked like a blast. And this brings us one, to Yoda by one, one, one more question. I have one more Mo thing. Of course. Um, serious, serious question. Very serious question. Are they the only jam band that you have seen that I have not seen? Oh, you haven't seen them? I have not. No. Yeah, I, I've never, I, they, they don't tour around here all that much. Oh, yeah. I bet they are then. Yeah, I saw them forever ago. Um, I got a t-shirt. It was at the Minnesota Zoo um, in the place, cool. in the, the amphitheater where they did the bird show. Yeah. I've been there for like the bird show yeah. before and then saw Mo there because my dad uh, thought it would be really fun. And it was. And that was kind of my first show that wasn't... Um, I'm trying to think of what what else. I think I had been to other like not as showy shows, but that was like the first real like yeah. uh, you know musical concert yeah. I went to. It was awesome. Anyways, yeah. What's so we're at we're at uh, we're at Yoda. We're at Yoda. Yes. Step number three. Uh, we're halfway to Fred Durst at this point, and we are talking about Yoda by Weird Al Yankovic. This appeared on his album Dare to Be Stupid in 1985. Weird Al. this Weird is album. like not. I feel like at like the at like the 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 the, the lunch table. I feel like we're back here. I feel like this is like oh, yeah, the theater. Absolutely. This is like the comedy theater nerds. I feel like Weird you know Al I mean? was kind of a class clown that may have like gravitated around to a number of tables, like kind of seeking seeking attention from all of them. <laughs> would be my, would be my yeah. guess. But I think the jam yeah, band table like would have befriended him quickly. Um, yeah. Don't yeah, know about the new metal. Probably ahead of the. Well, probably <laughs> ahead of the. The yeah, the new metal. The polka yeah. table would have loved him. He's like a big time polka accordion player mm -hmm. so he, he would have been mm -hmm. popular with that accomplished crowd, accomplished sure. uh, accomplished accordion player yeah yoda of course is a cover of lola by the kinks um i've heard it so many times that i i think anytime i hear lola i get yoda stuck in my head afterwards i think i think yoda has kind of uh overtaken lola in in my in my brain somehow this is, a, this is one that um i definitely listened to as a kid and i'm very familiar with but um i also just recently learned uh, while I was while I was on this journey, that its release was actually delayed by five years due to um, wow. the the George Lucas and the publishers kind of dragging their heels on approving Al to use this, and the reason that it actually was able to be released uh, eventually, like to be released at all, was that uh, Sir Ray Davies told Al personally when they they ran into each other that he had not heard this request to cover the song. So the publishers of the song um, had not actually even relayed Al's request wow. to cover it to the band, to the to the songwriters. And wow. this actually totally changed the way that Al went about um, getting permission and licensing to use these songs as parodies because the record labels, I guess, are not on board with it. They don't care. Um, but the <laughs> the artists, I think, love it. Kurt Cobain once said that he, had, he knew he had made it when he was covered by Weird Al. So after this song was uh delayed for so long and the label 
uh, dragged their heels uh, in approving him to use it, he started trying to seek out permission from the songwriters themselves versus the record yeah. labels because uh, everybody Ray, Ray Davies yeah. loved it. He said, that's a great idea. You can totally do that. But the record label never uh, actually presented him with um, Al's, Al's offer. Yeah, record labels, usually always known as the thoughtful and empathetic you know, I don't know. You, you know, I, you know what I mean. Like record labels yeah. are not known to be very accommodating. I know, and, and like this is this is a deal that both Al and Ray Davies were totally excited about. But because the middleman wasn't excited about it, it, it could have never happened. And just because of this, change yeah, I feel like there's a you, you could you could pr- I feel like you could probe that and like have a deeper conversation about the nature of the music industry and like artist exploitation and a bunch a whole bunch of other stuff, but. Yeah. Um. I'll, I'll I'll leave I'll leave it there. But um. Anyways. Um. Yeah. Weird Al has been like. I guess I'll just inject my Weird Al opinion. Like it's kind of yeah, it's kind of crazy how like how multi generational he is. You know, like. Like I went. I mean, he played the State Fair a few years ago and it sold out really quick at like really high ticket prices. And I was for a second I was like, oh, Weird Al, really? And then I'm like, oh no, that makes perfect sense. You know what? Here's, like here's, everybody, the other, here's the other Pete connection. I I was trying to think of what shows I had been to before Mo that I wouldn't have necessarily counted as a concert, but I think it was yeah. Weird Al. I think Weird Al I saw wow. before Mo, and that was the one I was thinking of because State Fair, State Fair, uh, Grandstand, probably 2009 saw Weird Al. With some yeah, of my sense. fifth my fifth grade uh, cronies, and it was excellent. Oh, that's a good age for Weird Al because oh, like yeah. you're old enough to like you're old enough to like know the songs, you know. <laughs> um. But like you're young enough to like really still be like really I don't know not that older people can't be into it but like you're you're most into it you know yeah uh, I think that that was definitely when kind he was of like, like mind blowing but I still really like yeah him. and that was I like again, that was like was that, again a few years what, later at a Summerfest actually oh wow was 2009 right off of White and Nerdy that yes. song straight out of straight it was out like 2005 was the album and White <laughs> and Nerdy was the the big hit and he performed it and it was awesome uh, that's super cool I. First concerts I saw were um, were really off topic here, but uh, was uh, I saw Christina Aguilera Ooh. in uh, at like the State Fair. Still must be a common, very common place for to bring your family, I guess. I guess so. But I saw They're Christina. I, I cried. I cried my way out of Christina Aguilera um, when I was like five or something. What, it, what it was just you, too uh, loud. And, what were you upset about? I just, it was just too much. It was just too much. It was just, it was, it was like too stimulating. You know, I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. You know, I, I, I mean, not, no, not emotionally, just, it was too loud, you know? Um, yeah, it's so ironic because now, now I have like no ears because I've gone to so many, you know, GD concerts, you know? Yeah. Maybe uh, you should have taken a, a lesson from five-year-old Aaron and Hey, maybe this is, this is too much. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I think uh, that I saw I saw Nora Jones opening for Taj Mahal right when she was starting to hit. Oh, that's awesome. when I was like six, six or seven. Um, and I that, I remember that was like I guess I, I I enjoyed it, but I don't remember much of it. Um, I sat I got through that one, and then my first real concert was the Counting Crows in probably two thousand eight or two thousand nine at okay. Harriet Island uh, Taste of Minnesota when they used to do that. Super and that was cool. That was, that was the first like band that I, you know, that I, I liked, you know, that I got I listened to and really, you know, enjoyed and consumed independently. Well, yeah, they were and on saw, the, uh, so that was, they were on the Shrek soundtrack. It was a big deal. They were. Yeah, no, this was, I was, I was more sophisticated though. I liked the nuance. 
deep, deep, um, deep emotional kind of proto emo confessional songwriting rock. That you know, in love that, is fairly, uh, fairly emotional, if I recall. Especially in the. I don't know about that. It was no. Uh, it was no. It was. It was no perfect blue buildings around here. Is was my opinion at the time. It's, it's still my opinion, but we're back. We're talking about the state fair. We're talking about Weird Al. Yeah, and Weird I, Al, I was yeah, saying Weird Al. Yeah, Weird Al is just he's just massive. You know, and you just you don't think about him as being like a massive artist. I think, but he's, he's like he's a touchstone for so many generations. He's perfected this type of humor he has that is like. It's it is very universal, like you said, and it's um it's been like updated as he goes along, but it's still at the hardest. This like silly like goofball weird owl um polka parody music. Um, yeah, and I think if a lot of other people did that, it would suck. There can only be one yeah. person that kind of has that bit because yeah, it probably at some point gets fairly annoying. But uh, weird owl still charms me with it, and uh, many others, as you're saying. Uh, weird owl. In addition to Mo, uh, Mo had their Star Wars themed show, and since uh, since Weird Al has made the song Yoda, um, he's also made some other Star Wars themed songs. And Star Wars has kind of been a key theme um, that Weird Al is associated with. So much so that in 2014 he appeared in a college humor sketch called the Cantina Band Auditions uh, that featured Chris Daughtry, Liz Fair, Jordan Sparks, Reggie Watts, and Mr. Ben Folds. Our next wow, step, okay. our next step here is that connection between Weird Al Yankovic and Ben Folds. Step number four: Weird Al and Ben Folds. There's more. There's more to those okay. two than you might think. What do you know about uh, the the connection between Weird Al and Ben Folds? These are two of my favorite artists, uh, like lifelong. So I was pretty interested. They share a, they share a sensibility. You know, yeah. um, I would say Ben Folds has a little bit more. Um, there's a little more sincere, you know, in there, but there's definitely comedy. I agree. I think their their attitudes are fairly similar and their jokes. I know the same jokes. They're a similar similar type of humor for sure. Yeah, I was just saying similarities. They're just proficient. They're both kind of funny. Um, Weird Al's probably a little older, I guess. Let's say maybe they're the same generation. Um, but I can definitely see somebody who likes Weird Al growing into somebody who likes Ben Folds. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they both definitely use their musical talents to like tell stories and jokes. Um, of course, Ben folds mm-hmm. more towards the story mm-hmm. side, and Weird Al more towards the joke side. There definitely some overlap. Um, their professional relationship actually crosses over more than more than I knew. I've, I'm a big fan of both of them, but um, I didn't know how many times they've actually interacted in their careers. Al offered vocals on Ben Fold's song "Time" from um, "Songs for Silverman." in 2005 so weird al he did no lyrics which is kind of you know of course weird al's thing but his voice is in the backing vocals for that song it's a really pretty song and i think al's voice totally adds uh another layer to that ben folds played piano on al- al's song why does this always happen to me on poodle hat in 2003 okay i don't think i've heard that one yeah, it's a. It's is that a deep cut? Is that is that a weird Al deep cut? It's a weird Al deep cut. It's pretty funny. I think it's like it falls into his like, uh, just whining about like, not that important stuff that it. Ha- I don't know. It's, it's one of those just like tongue in cheek, um, weird Al songs, kind of like whining about his like cushy life that he lives. Yeah. Yeah. Ben's Ben's piano playing is great. He's got some good riffs. Um, and it totally sounds like a Ben Folds song with Weird Al lyrics in it. So that was uh uh cool. another one of their collabs 
Uh, they also performed together on Jay Leno. They played Landed, which is uh, a more serious song, mm. which is very neato. And I also saw some footage of them playing together in Los Angeles at like a very cool looking venue uh, playing uh, a Ben Folds 5 song together. So they've, they've collabed a number of times over the years, which I didn't know about, but I was very excited to to uh, hear. And their their styles totally do complement each other. They're similar enough that I feel like they, they um, mesh very well. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I had no idea they had a professional connection. I suppose, I, I guess I'm not a... Uh, is, there a, is there a name for Ben Folds fans? I mean, like I like him, but I, I, I had no idea he had this, 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 this deep layered connection to oh, yeah. Weird Al. Yeah, I didn't know either, but I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Their most notable, perhaps, uh, collaboration is our final step in the journey. And that was the filming of Rockin' the Suburbs music video for the title track of okay. Ben Folds' 2001 album. This video was directed by Weird Al. Weird Al also appears Whoa. as the producer in the video to accompany the line, the sub, sub producer with computers fixes all my shitty tracks. You can see Weird Al in the video fixing Ben Fold's shitty tracks Whoa. along to this line. It's, it's excellent. It's, it's very meta. Super um, meta. Super, super meta. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know I, I, not, now you're gonna, I, hope, I hope where this goes, you're going to tell me that Weird Al produced a video for Break Stuff. I hope that's where <laughs> this is going. Not quite, but pretty close. Because in this video, the whole song, are you familiar with this song, Rock in the Suburbs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a it's a very uh, catchy Ben Folds tune. Um, again, with this mm-hmm. tongue in cheek sense of humor that we've been talking about. Um, actually, similar to the Weird Al song we were talking about, kind of complaining about uh, a day in the life of Ben Folds, a uh, middle class white man in the United States. And so mm-hmm. the whole song is almost a, uh, a parody, similar to a Weird Al parody on a uh, with with, with social commentary. Absolutely. Social commentary. Yes, it's it's in Ben Folds is incendiary. I yes, don't know. I'm just, I mean, I, it might be a stretch. But. He's he's ripping on himself uh, effectively. So that's kind of the the theme of this whole tune. And yeah, he has this record deal and he's making these songs. And then in the in the Weird Al scene, there's like one fader of like this song sucks, and and one fader that says this song rocks. And he like turns down the sucks one and turns up the rocks one. And like the 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 quality of the music like vastly increases it's a very uh witty witty weird owl and ben folds bit but of course the bit that we are focusing on here that will wrap up mm. our journey is that there's a line in rock in the suburbs that says girl give me something i can break sounds very familiar and in this video ben folds is rapping that part or singing that part with a backwards red new york yankees cap wow wow a parody of our good friend Fred Durst. Fred Durst. Wow, this is that's not, you know I guess it's not a direct. You know, if I'm being more critical, I would you know, you know I mean, do we have like limits as to like how close it can be or far it can be, or are I'm we just rolling with it? I'm um, yeah. with it. That, that's pretty cool. That's that's a pretty cool one though. I'm trying to keep them um fairly fairly tight in relation, just because, you know, this could have gone um like oh you know, Weird Al plays the I don't know like like he plays the accordion and like i don't know someone else plays the accordion who knows fred durst like like it could be very broad yeah. like that but i like having like um direct very, yeah. direct um but yeah i'm still i'm still that, that, playing around with uh 
the type of connections we can have. So this, like, yeah, this isn't like they worked with Fred Durst on a track or anything, but the the d- direct Fred Durst reference uh, appeared in their video, which I thought was uh, uh, finding Fred Durst in a sense. Yeah. What did Fred ever respond? Was there a feud? No, there was no feud. No feud, which is Fred, unusual. I mean, Kurt, Fred, it seems like. Yeah, usually there. Usually there was a. I feel like from our we learned from the show. So these three episodes, there's usually a Fred Durst feud. Yeah, of no some feud, sort. No feud in this one. However, there was an alternate ending actually for this one. Um, well, this would have eliminated the uh, the the Ben Folds step, I guess. So this would have only been four steps. Weird Al also uses a Limp Biscuit song in his angry white boy polka um, medley. He does this whole. Have you heard this yeah. Weird Al song? Uh, I think I think I have. I remember the phrase "angry white boy polka" yeah, yeah, from like yeah. a long time ago, <laughs> but maybe I don't know if I can place it. Yeah. So this is the alternate uh, like four step ending. Is that Weird Al? Um, he has this whole like medley of like you know angsty '90s new metal and like similar genre uh, like moody songs that he plays on the accordion in a in a like polka covers. Uh, it's pretty fun. Uh-huh. And My Way by Limp Biscuit appears in this and he um he that's like one of the last songs in this uh like compilation of Weird Al Angry White Boy Polka covers. Uh-huh. So Fred yeah, that's found himself he found himself in two like uh parodies of Angry White Boys, which is always always, always I feel fun. like he's kinda like I feel like this is kinda we need we need to like pump him up a little bit. This is kinda dissing on Fred a little bit. <laughs> We've been pretty I mean like for I don't know. Like I feel like a lot of people take shots at new metal and Fred, and I feel like part of this is like we're trying to like get at the world, you know, and like uh, understand whatever. And uh, maybe I'm over over mythologizing whatever we're doing, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like you know we got, I feel like we got we got we got we got to pump up a little bit, you know. You're we got to right, go, right. Fred. I think that's go good for to Fred. just. I think it's um, you know. I I could definitely challenge myself to there's there's a lot of like Fred parody and like Fred zingers that could be could be referenced in the show um but it, it may, maybe would be a little more um wholesome to find a an uplifting fred story to land on in one episode and i i will do that next, yeah. next episode will have a more positive fred finale yeah okay but you know it's okay everybody like you know everybody uh you know everybody likes jokes too yeah our finales, I think, yeah. have been it's been like the the Christina performing with Fred. That's neutral. I think yeah. that, that was a uh, neither. Yeah, that's neutral. That's yeah. not. It's neither here nor there. Yeah. But yeah, the the feud last time was definitely not like the best image of Fred, and these were both uh, Fred jokes. So yeah, we'll go for maybe one of Fred's philanthropic ventures next time. Um, the 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 the, the, the chocolate the the, the the what is it the chocolate <laughs> chocolate whatever foundation. Yeah, for 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 kids who can't read good and want to, he he appeared in that movie too. There, dude, their Fred references are everywhere. He was in Zoolander. Bro, he was a major. He was a major cultural force. Yeah, you know? I mean, there's no other the way. Around. I mean, you, you think about '90s, late uh, late '90s, like MTV culture. Like, you know, it's yeah. one of the fascinating things. Is like he was one of the most one of the biggest you know celebrities out there. So you know, I don't know. Yeah, the um, full force of Fred. The full force of Fred. Yes. So. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything else to, uh, to say. I wanted to riff more on the, you know, the, the, I don't know, the, just one of those days charity or something, but, yeah. um, I don't think I have any good, 
good jokes there, so I'm gonna leave it. Yeah, that's all right. I never thought of the like "girl, give me something I can break" line in "Rock in the Suburbs" being a a reference to break stuff. So I don't know if it uh, intentionally it's, it's, was, but in the video, it certainly well, makes it seem so. It certainly sounds. It certainly sounds like I'm gonna have to investigate myself, but it certainly sounds like uh, what you're saying makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I think we touched on a lot of good ones this time. We got into the jam world, Linus and Lucy. Um, yeah, it was very interesting to learn about for me. Um, and I hope that anyone listening um, and yourself, Aaron, I hope you learned a thing or two along the way too. I learned, I learned four or five things. Excellent. Even better. Thank you yeah. for listening. Anyone who, who has been tuning in, I hope you, as I said, uh, learned a thing or two, not just about Fred, but uh, along the way as well. And if anybody has a suggestion of where to start, uh, you can give us something extra difficult, extra spicy uh, that you think we can never relay back to Fred Durst and we will try and do it. And uh, thank you for listening. We will make we we will, yeah we we will find you and we will connect the dots. <laughs> yes, we absolutely will. Thank you so much, Aaron, for uh, for going on this journey with okay, me. Yes. And we will uh, we'll see you next. Thank time. you.